This week on Crossing the Lane Lines, USA Swimming recently announced the formation of a Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Council to address and find solutions to the lack of participation of Black, Brown, and other marginalized communities within the swimming world. But will this work? Will those at the regional and local levels be willing to adapt to change? Further, would any of this have occurred if it were not in the midst of a once-in-a-lifetime global pandemic and in the middle of a country struggling with its history of systemic racism? We'll speak to former champion and world record holder Sabir Muhammad about these issues. Stay tuned. In San Francisco, this is Najee Ali, and you're listening to Crossing the Lane Lines. Recently, USA Swimming announced the formation of two diverse leadership groups to facilitate a long-term action plan to provide guidance to USA Swimming staff and swimming leaders regarding diversity, equity, and inclusion, or DEI. The statement reads in part, quote, The 22-member DEI Council is comprised of athletes, parents, coaches, volunteers, and non-members representing diverse races, ethnicities, abilities, and LGBTQ plus people that make up USA Swimming's membership. Its purpose is to bring together a group of diverse individuals to consult, deliberate, and provide strategic DEI feedback to USA Swimming. The Black Leadership and Aquatics Coalition, also known as Team Black, consists of former and current USA Swimming national team athletes and is chaired by 2004 Olympic silver medalist Maritza McClendon. Team Black's mission is to be the aquatics leader of the Black voice and to impact the sport of swimming through exposure, resources, and mentorship. Close quote. All of this comes on the heels of the ongoing murder of Black and Brown men and women at the hands of police. While many have celebrated the formation of these two committees, not all are convinced of their sincerity. Many in the Black swim community believe that USA Swimming would not have begun taking action if not for a once-in-a-century pandemic and the deaths of George, of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and many more. So where do we go from here? What are we to make of this about-face by USA Swimming? Joining us to talk more about this issue is Sabir Muhammad, a former competitive swimmer at Stanford University, where he finished his career with seven Pac-10 championship titles, 25 All-American honors, and was the first African-American to medal at a major international swimming competition winning both silver and bronze at the 2000 World Short Course Championships in Athens, Greece. Sabir Mohammed, welcome to Crossing the Lane Lines. Hi, thank you, Najee. Sabir, so USA Swimming has now formed these two committees. And in fact, you're a member of the Black Coalition. What are your expectations, not only with this coalition, but also from USA Swimming moving forward? Right. Um... My expectation is uh, that this group helps to uh, build structures that support um, underrepresented minorities in the sport of swimming, particularly black swimmers. Um, So that, you know, to answer your first question, USA Swimming, what they're expecting to get out of this, and I think they've acknowledged that they need this, is they need someone to hold them accountable. Uh, they need an outside body that can look in and identify the areas where there are gaps in their understanding of how to reach uh, black communities, underserved communities, and to how to you know, how to communicate 
uh, in ways that are authentic and, uh, are, are, and, um, and will be truly best received uh, by black, black communities. Now, a lot of words are being thrown around like diversity, equity, and inclusion, and it's encouraging to hear them being said, but this is coming from a national level. What about the local and the regional teams and communities? Do you feel that they're going to be on board with this? This is where mostly it has to take place is on that ground leadership. Yeah, I mean, you, what you just basically said, you, you, uh, you're echoing um, my colleague Giles Smith, um, who, you know, in our conversations with USA Swimming, uh, you know, we're, we continue to say that, you know, the biggest opportunity is, is locally, right? It is, it is with those local parks and recreation clubs um, that may not be aware of the opportunities may not have the resources to take advantage of those opportunities. And so what we are doing is really, um, you know, working with USA Swimming uh, to structure their organization to best serve at that local capacity. You know, USA Swimming, yes, it is a national governing body, um, but but it does have, you know, uh, resources that are distributed across the country and they have, uh, you know, uh, a that go and basically hit the pool decks uh, in these places that you're talking about. Now, it's not perfect. It should be 10x, but, you know, they are aware of the gap. And I think that's the biggest problem. Um, and I'm really excited about, you know, people like Giles and the rest of the members of uh, Team Black that are uh, working with USA Swimming to identify these gaps. So, um, yeah, what I'll do to answer that question is I'll talk a little bit about my background and um, that may uh, that may be a good answer, or a good way to approach this question. So uh, I grew up here in Atlanta, the city of Atlanta, and um, I started swimming. Uh, my mom, would work, she, uh, she found a job at a swimming pool and I would go to the pool. Um, it was an inner city club or inner city pool. And I'd go with her to work uh, and she would work and I'd sit there and do my homework after school. And, uh, and there was a family there uh, who, and their father was the uh, aquatic director. His name was Eskia Bashir. He was the manager of that pool. He had, at the time, he had about five kids. And, you know, all of his kids were fantastic swimmers because he was a swimmer. He grew up swimming in, in Atlanta. Um, you know, I think he, he probably, um, he raced. He, he, I recall him say, saying he raced, but I don't know if he raced uh, against people of his own color or other colors, but he, he was definitely a racer. And so he had a mission to create a swim team out of this little uh, natatorium that he managed. And they asked me to start swimming with them. And that was like my first introduction to the sport of swimming. Fast forward that experience in this small, uh, and it was in a housing project, this pool was. Uh, you, you fast forward this to, uh, I don't know, call it 10 years. And the city of Atlanta has probably 
the largest African-American swim club in the country at this time. We had five sites. Hmm. Um, you know, we had multiple coaches. We had the largest uh, staff of uh, water safety, black water safety instructors in the country, right? So we had, at our swim meets, the swimmers were black, the coaches were black, the officials were black, the starters were black, you know, the people, the people that rent, you know, did the concessions, everyone was black. <laughs> so, that, you know, that's, that's kind of like the experience I had growing up. So it's slightly different than some other of my peers who grew up in white communities, um, being the only one. So I definitely experienced being the only one, but that was only at certain meets, right? Mm -hmm. So junior nationals, US Open, senior nationals, like, you know, as I progressed, you know, my, some of my other peers chose other sports or stopped swimming. And so some of the people I started out with who were all better than me, like I, I wasn't even, I, was, I wasn't even one of the best swimmers in my club. Like there were some fantastic athletes in my club. There's one kid, his name was uh, Wally Bashir. He was a record breaker. He's my best friend and he was a fantastic athlete. You know, eventually he stopped swimming. So my success really was just a result of just continuing to swim, right? Like if, I imagine if some of the other people I had on my team continued to swim, we probably would have broken national age group records and relays and everything else you can imagine. So that's a long winded way to say I had a very different experience. And I think it gave me a lot of confidence uh, in the sport because it felt very natural to me to be around people of my own color and to have a black coach and to have black parent support groups. Um, and I believe this is something that's happening across the country. Um, and I believe it's something that we can continue to support across the country. And I think people like Leonel, Simone, Maritza, who've achieved these great heights, Cullen, they continue to, to motivate and inspire younger generations. And parents get inspired by this as well. And they wanna see their children succeed. So yeah, definitely, uh, I, I know there are problems with, um, you know, being the only black swimmer on an age group club. And when I go and speak to those swimmers, my heart goes out to them and I have words to, for them, you know, uh, my words are usually uh, in the tone of this is, this is in you, this is something you can do your ancestors were great swimmers. Um, there are great swimmers around and you can achieve your greatest goals, uh, continue to swim and continue to fight. But I think what happens is particularly uh, in, you know, a black kid growing up in a white, all white environment, it just becomes really hard to continue. And you don't have as much motivation when you're there. And so, you know, swimming is a tough sport 
but then you couple it with just, you know, kind of racial um, inequity, it becomes even tougher. Sabir, I've broached this question to several of my former guests on the show because I feel it's very important. One of the many reasons that black folk don't swim is that they don't see other people that look like them. Now, you had a good experience where you had black teachers, you had black coaches, you had black trainers. What is the importance of having more black coaches on the deck in order that these young men and women won't give up swimming and that they'll keep on going? Yeah, that's a great question. So um, I'm going to start that, my statement by saying representation matters. It matters in many facets of our lives, right? Um, and, you know, the area of, um, you know, the importance of having someone um, like you teach you things is incredibly beneficial. And I'm going to take it a step further on that, right? Okay, so, um, you know, I, when we spoke last, we talked about the whole notion of um, uh, swimming being a generational sport, right? Um, and I said, you know, like cooking, like sewing, um, learning to read, these are things that are passed down from one generation to the next, right? And unfortunately, one of the things I believe happened during uh, the 400 years of enslavement of African people in this country is that we lost that generational skill set, right? So that's that's the whole learning to swim. And not only did we lose it, learning to swim was discouraged because it meant that it was easier to keep African slaves captive in this country, right? There's a body of water there and nobody knows how to swim no one will escape uh, across that body of water. So that's one thing. And in fact, actually, there's stories of um, African slaves like fleeing, those who didn't know how to swim, fleeing uh, through bodies of water, right? Um, so go, you know, dial all the way back to there about the learning to swim and why that's so important. And now let's take it forward to coaching. I think. I think it's just a matter of, uh, you know, it probably, you know, that's not to say that, like, I have not had excellent white coaches in my career. I've had excellent white coaches. I've had excellent Hispanic or Latin, Latinx coaches in my career. I've had incredible Asian coaches in my career. So I, I do not want to say that, like, um, the color of a person's skin is it has an impact on their ability to coach. What I do want to say is that representation matters. And in my in my experience, I had African American coaches growing up as a kid. And these African American coaches had massive African American teams. You look at Jim Ellis from PDR, you look at Tommy Jackson from City of Atlanta Dolphins, and they were successful in developing national level talent people that made it from 
Parks and Recs to international competition. People like myself, people like Giles, people like Michael Norman, people like Cullen. So, um, my point is, um, representation matters and diversifying our sport, I believe one of the best ways to diversify our sport is to support black coaches across the country who are growing these diverse programs that we need in our sport that are producing incredible talent. I'm going to pause there. I want to ask you a question that's been on my mind since all of this has come up in the last eight or nine months since the beginning of uh, the shelter in place. And it's a two part question. The first part is this, given all that's gone on with the lynching of George Floyd, with the assassination of Breonna Taylor, with the loss of life for other black men and women at the hands of police and white vigilantes, white supremacists rather, would we be in a situation where we are now if there wasn't a once-in-a-lifetime pandemic, that's the first part of it, and the deaths of these people. And further, are we literally in a movement or are we in a moment with respect to what USA Swimming is doing? Yeah. Um, so... Hmm. You said a whole lot there. <laughs> right, so, um, of course, the pandemic had an influence on um, the heightened awareness of George Floyd's lynching, right? And as a result of that, um, more people spoke out and stood out and protested and advocated for change. And I think there's there's um, there's a proxy to this, right? Um, and that proxy is during the civil rights movement, right? Had the civil rights movement not been televised had, you know, um, uh, police officers with dogs attacking black people, um, you know, spraying black people with water hoses, had that not been televised um, and spread across the world at a time when, when uh, for the first time ever, people were turning on their TVs, had those images not spread across the world, would we have desegregation in this country, right? Like, these are big questions. And the question you ask about George Floyd and, you know, people viewing him while cloistered inside, uh, you know, against this pandemic, I think those are very similar questions. Who knows what the answer is to it. As it relates to USA Swimming, I do believe this is I do believe this is an important matter for USA Swimming. 
However, I do not believe this is something that will um, be solved in a short period of time, right? You look at the numbers, less than 2% of, you know, sw swimmers or competitive swimmers or swimmers within USA Swimming's ranks are um, black, right? And so, you know, if there are 400,000 USA sw swimmers, it's going to take time to uh, change those numbers. And I think you have to look at the end result before you start talking about progress. And so right now, I would say there is no progress. What we have is, um, you know, the, the leadership uh, collective that I'm a part of, uh, Team Black, and you have people at USA Swimming who want to change. The hard part is going to be creating the change that's measurable. Now, we all want the same thing, but you know, it's going to take time. And finally, what would you say to the young black and brown girls and boys who are contemplating becoming competitive swimmers to try to reach to the levels that yourself and Cullen and Maritza and Leah and so many others have reached. What would you say to them right now, especially in the climate that we're in? Yeah, so uh, in, in the current climate, you know, I would, I would tell these young swimmers that this is the best time probably ever to be uh, a competitive swimmer, period. And I would encourage them to continue to pursue their goals. You know, we have a, um, a competitive international swim league now that never existed prior to last year. Um, and the, the greatest from some of the greatest swimmers in the world are competing um, on nationally televised events, uh, you know, on CBS, which is something that's never happened, right? Um, there's incredible opportunity from the standpoint of education. And unfortunately, you know, with COVID, there have been, there's a trend of many college programs shutting down their swimming teams. That's sad to see, but it's still a great opportunity, right? Um, because, you know, uh, there are a number of colleges that still have scholarships, right? And it's a great way uh, to pursue your dream and also uh, gain an education during this process. So, you know, I, I, would, I would say continue to pursue your dreams. Now, to those, to those black swimmers who are out there on, uh, you know, all white clubs who are feeling alienated, we're not sure this is the right sport for them. I would encourage them to reach out. Um, reach out to me, reach out to Maritza, reach out to Simone, reach out to Mia, reach out to Giles. Um, and, and have their parents speak to the coaches of their organizations about how they're feeling. 
because it is a matter that we want to address and we have to we have to help um, equip those young people with the tools and also equip their coaches with the tools to help them feel more comfortable on their teams. I know it's not easy. I've spoken to people like Simone who grew up swimming on all white teams and experienced racism on a daily basis on their club teams. And I can only imagine how hard that must be for a young person, right? It's a, it's a big difference between experiencing racism as a child on a daily basis versus in a, as an adult when you're equipped to handle such things. And so, you know, my goal would be to have these people reach out to us, let us find ways to uh, connect with them, connect them to other black swimmers in the sport. We'll all get on conference calls, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about our love for the sport and how nobody's gonna stop us from loving and experiencing a sport that we feel so great about. And we are going to leave it there. We've been speaking to Sabir Muhammad, former NCAA collegiate swimmer and record holder and graduate of Stanford University. In addition, he was a multi-medal winner in international competitions and as a member of USC Swimming's newly found the Black Leadership and Aquatics Coalition, or Black, which consists of former and current USA Swimming national team athletes. Team Black's mission is to be the aquatics leader of the black voice and to impact the sport of swimming through exposure, resources, and mentorship. Sabir Muhammad, we wish you and your family health and safety during this time in our country. And thank you so much for joining us today on Crossing the Lane Lines. Absolutely. Best wishes to you, your family, and your audience. Thank you, Najee. You've been listening to Crossing the Lane Lines, which is produced by the Black Swim Collective at our studios in San Francisco, California. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe on Spotify, Anchor, or wherever you receive your podcast. From all of us here, we thank you so much for your support. And remember, no lives matter until Black Lives Matter. In San Francisco, this is Najee Ali, for crossing the lane lines. Signing off.